0: Ms. Marvel, come out of nowhere, take your shit and run.
1: Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. Welcome to House Party
0: Protocol. Power of Suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will and with me today we have two guests. That's right, two always, sometimes better than one? I don't know. But we have Aaron from the Web Warriors Protocols. What's happening, my guy?
2: Hey, Mom, not too bad yourself.
0: I cannot complain at all. And we have John back for another round. What's happening?
1: I'm all right, mate. I can't
0: complain. Good, good. Glad to hear it. So I know we've got to address the elephant in the room before we go any further. And that is, Aaron, are you okay? I know you took a loss earlier. And do you need a hug? John, can you give him a hug for me?
2: I'm okay. I don't need a hug. It was going to happen sooner or later. Um it was player error. It wasn't like bad dice or anything, it was totally on me. And Tony's a great opponent anyway, so I'm totally fine
1: with it. Right. He's not yeah. fine with okay. it. I am. Is he
0: has he cried a lot, John?
1: He's cried ever since. I don't think he stops. Even when he sleeps, I think tears tickled down his face. Yeah, a little bit, but <laughs> no, it's
2: alright. I mean, uh, I got to thirty nine in a row. I'm pretty happy with that. I'm gonna start that back up, I'm sure. Yeah. Try and get past that.
0: Get to forty now. That's the goal, right?
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Awesome. Well, so for those of you that don't know, if you haven't been following along with the Web Warriors protocol blog, Aaron was on a heck of a tear with his Web Warriors roster. If you want to go listen to us discuss that roster, you can go back a few episodes and check that out. It's a really interesting take on on Web Warriors and obviously a very successful one. So Aaron, what happened uh, in this match that you ended up losing? So, um, I'd say part of it's down to not
2: me being arrogant, but me just being a bit like sure of myself. So normally I don't really bother to look at my opponent's roster when building mine. I just have a set roster that I use. And in this situation, it was 17th and I went in with what I would normally take. Um, But a combination of the crisis we were playing and Tony's roster meant that as soon as we revealed our teams, I realized I was in for a really tough matchup. Because we were playing Scrolls and Infinity Formula, so there was just a single extract. Uh-huh. And Tony had Wakandans, and he, his, in his team that he was playing, he had both Enchantress and Black Cat. So uh, I think looking back on it, I should probably tech a little bit more towards a single extract rather than just running what I'd normally run. And I think that's what let me down in the end because a combination of that and the fact that he had mission objective meant I just couldn't get the scroll off him in time to
0: score. Right. I get that. So what would you have done differently, you think, to combat that, For if you see it again next time?
2: Uh, so the only thing I would have done differently um, is when building my roster, I had Miles, Gwen, Venom, Toad, and Corvus Reality Gem. Mm-hmm. So what I would have done instead is gone six wide, so I would have had Molls, Gwen, Moon Knight, Black Cat, Proxima, Midnight, and Toad. And what this would have done is given me the last activation every round. And because we played Infinity Formula, Black Cat would have the power turn to steal the squirrel. Um And there's not really much Tony would have been able to do about that or to avoid it later on in the game. Because like I said, unless he starts cowing my characters, I always have the last activation. I think I'd have done a lot better with that team. I, I dare say I might have managed to snag the win again in that one. I think it was just a lot of player error on my side going into that matchup, not taking a look at what Tony could bring.
0: I got you. Yeah, no, that's... Uh... That sounds like an interesting strategy in terms of just trying to play for that last activation to make sure that you can yeah. either go steal the scroll from the opposing, from obviously the villain, Black Cat, that's the villain version, instead yeah, of, yeah. Uh, you know, doing that kind of stuff, so it's just, that's really interesting, and uh, I hope that you get to try that out and see how it works in a future match. I've
2: played a couple of times before, it was just this one, I've played Tony twice before in events. And he's sort of tended to go a bit more aggressive with the way he plays. So I think he's had Brotherhood, the one, and Wakandans again. Mm-hmm. But this was the first time he was running Enchantress and Black Cat. And I think that's what sort of caught me off guard. And I should have just taken a moment to really look at his roster and, you know, take the time to figure out exactly what he was able to bring. Because I think it's quite obvious that that's the list he'd bring at 17 for it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's very good at what he does. There's no reason not to take
1: that. So, I mean, fair play to Tony, like I said.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so John, have you had any events lately?
1: Uh, I went to kind of like a first gaming day event at another local store to here. So we popped into Asgard for kind of like their first event. Um, so three games across the course of a day, super chill, super fun. Um, and I actually took Guardians of the Galaxy, believe it or not. Wow. I know, yeah, that was pretty much everybody else's response. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was basically a case of some players were playing for the first time. So we rocked up to round one and I helped my opponent build his roster and pick his tactics cards and then kind of like how it would work. So it was that kind of style event. That's awesome. Um, so I just thought if I can take Rocket and Groot and play some Deadly Duo and have a couple of amazing rounds of lovable misfits, then why not? You had
2: one, didn't you, that was um,
1: particularly
2: last day with lovable misfits, didn't you?
1: I had a really good one in game one where four of my five characters stunned themselves. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> just what I was after. Um, and then... Luckily, in game three, I had one where I got four attacks and managed to take a fully healthy Blade and fully healthy Okoye both down to Dazed by the end of the lovable Misfits activation.
0: That's awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, kudos to you for playing the Guardians. And also, you know, I think it's really awesome. And it's something that I think we don't talk about enough as a community sometimes is just like helping newer players kind of get through that stuff and just rolling the dice and having some fun. So, like, that's really cool that you were able to do that.
1: No, no. It was it was a really good event. I had a nice time, to be honest, playing more of a thematic list rather than having to plan or kind of like pencil in what it was I might be coming across. So I just picked a list and went, whatever happens, I'm going to roll some dice, play some cards, and just see how it goes.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. So speaking of rosters and all of these, these things that we're talking about right now, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Oh, my goodness. This is a lot of talking about. <laughs> What we're going to talk about on this show. So, main topics for today, we're going to talk about Ms. Marvel card, because she's, I think, the only card from the mini-stravaganza that we haven't actually covered on House Party Protocol. So, what we're going to do today is break her down, talk about her kind of from all perspectives. We're going to go from a casual perspective, competitive perspective, talk about what all she does, and where she might slot into your roster if you're uh, if you're down with Kamala Khan. And then also, we are going to talk a little bit about roster building and what I think I'm going to do and let me get the suits out there to hit us up with some messages at uh, our Facebook page when they send us this week's secret code which we don't know what it is yet but we'll come up with it along the way but send us messages and let us know if you guys would like kind of a roster building series kind of thing maybe like once a month when Aaron and John pop in we kind of talk more about the specifics of roster building and not necessarily in any specific order per se like we don't say okay well where do you start where do you end blah 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 we could do that stuff but maybe just like the individual components of roster building and for whatever reason recently I've just really been into the idea of crisis selection with roster building and then also like Aaron had mentioned crisis selection within a match so I really want to talk about that today after we talk about Ms. Marvel because I think that that that's one of those like kind of turn zero things that you can kind of get caught up in the wash with a lot of times. And I think it'd be really fun to talk about. So, like I said, let us know. Send us messages at protocol pod at gmail.com or on our Facebook page at House Party Protocol Podcast over there. And you can if you're on our Discord, you can send us messages there. If you want access to our Discord, you can uh, join our patreon it's just a dollar a month so 12 bucks a year or you can join at our mark five level and you can get two extra bonus entries into our giveaways and sometimes i'll randomly do giveaways in the discord and stuff like that so make sure to check that out if you're interested and i just want to go ahead and say to all the patrons out there thank you so much i am uh, immensely immensely grateful and just humbled constantly that you guys are are there and it's just it's it's wonderful and I appreciate it. And, gentlemen, with that, let's jump right in to Ms. Kamala Khan here. And what we're going to do, I'm going to start with her kind of main stat line. Okay. And then, John, if you'll do the attacks. And then, Aaron, if you'll do the superpowers. You think that sounds good? Yeah, sounds that's awesome. That All right, cool. So, we have Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. The first thing we have to do, though, is we have to talk about this model. And,. These models here, there's two of them because she transforms. She embiggens, as it were. And the the small one is fine, in my opinion. But I really like the big one. I think it's cool and dynamic and it looks kind of cool. What do you guys think?
1: I really like the big one. I think the big one is great. I think it's a great pose. It suits Miss Marvel. I really like it. I'm glad they showed us the big one because I'm really not sold on for the game in terms of normal size Miss Marvel's model. Mm-hmm. Just looks, I mean, I know they're models and they're all very mono pose anyway, but it just looks like it's missing something. She's just there, hands on hips. I don't know. It's one of those that ever since I've seen it, I've been a bit like, please tell me there's something more
0: to <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Aaron, what do you think?
2: Yeah, so I've got to agree with John. I'm not a huge fan of... Um the sort of Miss Marvel, is it ascetic? Is that yeah. Right, right? Yeah, so I'm not a huge... I think it looks a bit goofy at times, sort of the big and piece. Big. However, the big model, I think, looks fine. I think it looks really dynamic, and it's captured really well, considering I don't like the general idea of it. It's been executed very well. Whereas with the small Miss Marvel, as John said, sort of the hips, uh, uh, hands-on hip pose is just very dull. I mean... I think I, I just feel they could have done a little bit more with it. I mean, especially considering they literally had the creative freedom to do anything with the proportions, with you know, say uh, having one hand bigger than the other, anything at all. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a little lackluster, sadly, the small model. I mean, uh, when we very, very, very first saw it, I know a lot of people thought it was a fake. People didn't think yeah, it was it like, is. not Everyone in our local group didn't think it was actually a, a miniature for MCP. They thought it was just like a fake oh, wow. that had been circulated.
0: Well, yeah, and it's one of those things where it's a pose that you've seen if you followed Ms. Marvel at all in the comics. She she's kind of like makes that pose. Uh, yeah, it, it's fairly iconic.
2: It's her pose,
0: right? But it also like it's it's just kind of compared to so many other models we have in this game right now. It's just like there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, it, it's iconic, but
2: I don't think it it transpires very well into a miniature. Hundred so, like, percent. Characters like Iron Man or Zemo with the sword drawn or you know ready to unleash a repulsor blast—they're quite iconic stances and images we've seen of these characters that also you know carry over really well into miniature design. I think with Kamala Khan, don't get me wrong—the the, the way they've executed it is accurate to how she stands in the comics. It, it's what we have seen her as. I just don't think it is great in terms of a miniature. I just—that's just my opinion on it, though. So I'm yeah.
0: sure people, some people will love it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So we have Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, and, well, I guess that's the other way around, really. It's Ms. Marvel with an alter ego of Kamala Khan. And this opens up an interesting thing. Like, there is a version of Carol Danvers that is Ms. Marvel. I doubt we will ever get that in this game, but that could be an interesting kind of thing there if there's any cards that say Ms. Marvel and not Kamala Khan. So let's... That's, that's, a, that's a future discussion there. But we have Ms. Marvel. She has a top stat line. She moves medium. She is size 2 in her normal form. And she's size 4 in her embiggened form. So I just want to go ahead and clear that up. She's size 2 normal, size 4 embiggened. She has a 3 physical defense, a 4 energy defense, and a 3 mystic defense. She has a stamina value of 5 and a threat value of three. So that's interesting stat line. Three threat character. Nothing really crazy there other than she has a slightly elevated four energy defense. Do you guys think that that's interesting or not? Or is it just kind of like a way they're kind of differentiating things these days?
1: I think it's just a the way they're kind of going with the defense values at the minute. I mean, you look at Convocation who've just dropped or are about to drop, depending on where you are. Um, and their stat lines are a little bit skewed more towards what they're good at which is their mystic the last lot of kind of like spider foes were heavily skewed in terms of defense stats i think it might be a balanced thing potentially in some way with most marvel but it's also fairly representative that if she can stretch and she can expand and things like yeah. that, i like to think to be able to move out of the way of energy beams a little bit better than a close-up fight
2: i think it's it's more it, I, I don't know the actual like science behind it but i assume it's something to do with the particles in her skin the way her body works yeah you know Something to do with what well, the along the elastic- elasticity elasticity of the skin and a particle, yeah. so I assume it's something like that. Um, I think it is probably from a game, kind of just to add a little bit of diversity to the character. So sh- you know, she's slightly better on those missions where you're rolling energy defense to secure a point, for example. Right. Um, which is a-, a reason you may or may not bring her in different missions, which is great.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely uh definitely a way to look at it. So, I really like her her normal stat line and I want to go ahead and say also that nothing changes on her injured side. So, I think the the most interesting bit of information here in my opinion is that she only has a 10 stamina total, which is kind of on the low side more or less like there are plenty of other characters that only have that stamina value, but I do think it's important to note that Ms. Marvel, as we're going to see, might have some other fun little things that she can do here. So, John, would you like to go over her attack singular?
1: I am happy to do that. So we've got Morpho Punch, which, to be honest, I love the name of. Um, But we're range four, four dice, zero cost. After this attack is resolved, the character gains one power, so it's a flat builder. And on a wild push, so if the target character is size two or less before damage is dealt, they can push target character away short. Oh no, it's towards. Sorry, not away. Towards short.
0: Oh, interesting. That's that's an interesting bit of tech there, Aaron. What do you think of that?
2: I think it's um, definitely really interesting. It's very similar to Daredevil's button hook. In that it's a range for four forward, arse physical attack. We're pushed towards. Um, I think it's going to have some use. Obviously, you'll be able to use it like most other pushes to get people out of position. But you might even be using it to pull people into sort of you know, attack range for some of your bigger hitters, your harder hitting characters. Yeah, So I think it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, I kind of like it in a, in a way because I know that you use the web line on like Gwen or the web snare, like Venom has and stuff like that. Like I like those things too. And for a long time I was like, man, I don't like the idea of pulling people into my people and then they can, you know, potentially activate first next round and just waste me. But I actually kind of, have come around on that a lot more and i really like the idea of being able to put people more so where they don't want to be versus kind of like just in an uncomfortable p- place you know what i mean so like yeah, right. you know like like shuri pushes are great like they get people out of a, a point or stuff like that but the nice thing about things where you can pull them towards you is it's like okay well now there's nowhere to run and hide like you either have to actively decide to to run and hide or to fight and I think that that's a really interesting decision point that you can place on your opponent with stuff like that
2: what's great we've pushed towards as well is that you'll find now especially a lot of players will um sort of roll block their models So, say Magneto will place his constructs in base contact behind him in order to stop him being pushed away mm-hmm. or they'll stack up multiple models to stop the pushes away um and not many people prepare to sort of stop themselves being pulled forward they might put them back to a wall or to a cargo container but not many people stand so right up against the barricade so that they can't be pulled towards it does catch people out quite a bit as well
0: yeah i really like that and i will say though it is also important to note here that the math on this it's a wild so you're only going to get this push about 30 percent of the time i think is how the math works out so definitely not Uh, something to bank on
2: yeah, I think it, I think it's actually closer to fifty percent, isn't it? Because it's a D eight and there's four attack dice, so I think half
1: the time you'll be getting it. Is that right, John? There's one. Is there only one? Well, there's up one up world, dice? Yeah. So now it's going to be lower than. Oh, is it lower than? Yeah, Oh, okay. She has got some little tricky ways to potentially help us secure it lower down, but I'm not going to jump ahead.
0: Yep, exactly. So that's her attack on her normal side, and what we're going to do is we're going to focus everything on the normal side. Then we're going to talk about her in big inside next. So. John, what do you think of this attack? I mean, it's it's pretty straight normal attack.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a nice flat builder. I think on four dice, gaining one power is solid because, as we know, on four dice, there's no guarantee that you're going to gain any power from damage dealt these days. Um, so a one power build is good. It helps her get some power to do some of the other things she's got on a card. As we've said, the push towards is always useful, particularly if you're setting her up. Maybe she's sitting in an Inhumans team or she's sitting in an A-Force team and you want to pull her in towards one of your big hitters. I think it's a nice, solid single attack.
0: Yep, absolutely. Aaron, what about her superpowers?
1: So the first
2: superpower that she has on her small side is Embiggen. So for free power, this character transforms into Miss Marvel Embiggen. Uh, This superpower can only be used once per turn. So that is sort of your transform mechanic, like we've seen with Ant-Man and the Wasp in the past. We've now seen with The Hood. Miss Marvel, you just got a straight power cost that you'll be paying actively to enable to do that.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because this is the most expensive transform mechanic we've seen yet, and yeah. it's pretty pricey. And considering she starts with one power and then is only going to gain one power from Morpho Punch, that's an interesting, interesting power bit there that she has because I yeah, think that, that's pricey. You'll definitely
2: be you will be having to plan for this. It isn't something you can just sort of do on a whim because you'll sort of cheat yourself out of doing it the next turn, I think. I mean, not to jump ahead, but she, she can gain power on her other side, like, as we know. But it is very pricey when you look at it in terms of she's got to get to that three in the first place. Unless she's doing a double stroke, she can't get it turn one, and the odds of her doing that aren't very likely.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take some extra tech, you know, advanced R and D, the right affiliation in humans, or Avengers, or any myriad of other affiliations there. So
2: maybe the reason that they've done this is because she might find um, a home within the Inhumans, and obviously they have such access to it that yeah. it won't be as difficult there for her to do it. So we sort of reward you for taking her, you know, with her sort of her affiliation.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the next one? I think. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go think ahead, John. It's to
1: like Ant Man and Wasp because they tend to shrink, which is their normal to smaller size, and they lose some. So they have to like drop objective tokens. They can't carry things. Whereas when Miss Marvel and Biggins, her base gets bigger. Her attack sweep that we're going to talk about potentially increases. Her superpowers get slightly better. She has some much better tech when she's larger. So maybe that's been accounted for in the cost as well, I think. But as we said, it is higher than we used to
0: for sure for sure
1: moving on to our next superpower we have
2: take out the trash so for free power again miss marvel can choose an interactive terrain feature or an enemy character both of size two or less and within range three and throw them small the superpower again can only be used once per turn nice sort of throw yeah so it's a, it's a pretty standard throw it's a bit on the a little bit on the pricey side i think for size two i mean it is range free though which is always good it gives her a little bit of reach and you know, the option is to throw some things a bit further afield rather than what's just right next to her. Uh, what do you think, John?
1: I think it works quite nicely with a standard attack. So you've got a range for attack. You pull the character towards a short. Power dependent, she's then got a range three throw so she can potentially add a little bit of extra movement in if needs be. A throw is always nice and never to be scoffed out on anybody, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think these throws like this are are kind of the norm now. And the one thing I do love about this is that range three. I just think that being able to grab someone from range three and then let's not forget that the throws, when measuring a character throw, it is from the character being thrown that you measure from.
2: I mean, we've um, especially in playing into characters like Kingpin. So they're on a medium base and only move small throwing them small is the same really as giving them a stagger Absolutely. i mean if you're if you're exactly at range three that means kingpin already isn't in range to do what he wants to do if you then throw him away small you might have a situation where he ends up having to move twice and that's he he, he hasn't done anything that round.
0: yep yeah i think that the the level of control that this affords is really wonderful yeah. and- Obviously,
2: this sorry this doesn't apply to kingpin because he's size three but there are some other characters like crossbones for example who's size two who really doesn't like being thrown away, especially not from a distance. Poor crossbones.
0: Poor crossbones. I mean, Mysterio, another example, but any kind of just displacement in this way, like, I think is really interesting. The the only thing that I um, kind of, I guess, question with this as a design perspective is that, okay, so you've got a character that's only going to build one power with their attacks, and you know, one power with their attacks in their normal form, right? So, we, we haven't talked about him big and yet. And you've got two superpowers that each cost three. That's pretty hefty cost to do this stuff. You know what I mean? In terms of just total cost based on what we see right here. And when you also factor in that you have a character that has five stamina on each side, I think that it's kind of, it's just interesting power economy. And and I think it's something that, when we're looking at this character, we have to take that into account. Is like what is the the power economy of this character going to be? What is the opportunity cost going to be to do these different things? And and this I think, while we want to embiggen as much as we can, I think that taking out the trash is going to really be useful at times because at the end of the day, we're trying to score points.
2: Yeah, definitely. And what they like to do is throw people off the of points. I mean, we've seen just how important that is with how popular Valkyrie is, mainly because she can move twice and throw somebody off turn one. Exactly. Um, Like you said, in terms of power economy, she is lacking, I think. I mean, when designing a character, I assume, well, we've seen already that the amount of power they can gain affects the cost of their superpowers. A great example is Four, for example, where he gains two power a turn so, his uh, charge like ability is a little more, bit more expensive than it would be on, say, a character that gains one power a turn. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that they've put both of these superpowers at the, the free cost value. Um, it's, like I said, it's definitely going to encourage you to take her with your Inhumans. I mean, it, you, you're going, if you want to up plays, you can't just rely on her own power because you, unless you're only planning on taking out the trash or in beginning on a turn, and you want to do that at the start of the turn? You're going to need a way to transfer power over to her, because you're not going to be wanting to. You, you sort of, otherwise you're, you're lining up to sort of stand still, hit someone twice, and then do it. And that's not a very dynamic player. That's a very predictable player. You want you want to be able to do these things proactively after a move, for example.
0: Absolutely, a- absolutely. I think that's definitely it. And let's finish up her superpowers, and then let's talk about our other side, and then we can kind of talk about how we see her playing on the table a little more here.
2: Yeah, definitely. So just to go on to her last two superpowers, uh, they're both innate. The first one that we have is Inhuman. So this character may reroll one die in its attack or defense rolls. Um, so we've seen this on all of the other Inhumans. It's sort of a, a trait of those characters in the same way as Guardians, going to power a turn. So it's a really interesting little mechanic because when you think about it, you're essentially getting the the web warrior reroll built in which is quite interesting um, but you also get it on attack which is quite good
0: absolutely and we've seen that this kind of doesn't exactly function as adding a die to attack and defense it doesn't exactly function that way but it gets close to being that way especially more yeah. so for attack than defense yeah
2: definitely yeah with attack because it's you know you have 50/50% chance to be getting a result that you're looking for it it is very close to adding an additional dose. Yep. So our last superpower is simply immunity poison. Again, this is something that we've seen um, on all of the Inhuman characters, and I think this ties informatically to the fact that they got their powers from the terogen gas. So it, it sort of makes sense that they're all immune to poison as a result of that, because so the, the source of their power was as such one of the, the most powerful poisons.
0: Exactly. So all in all on her healthy side here, I think she's okay, I think, and I think that uh, we definitely have to take into context the embiggened side, so with that, her basic stat line does not change other than she becomes size 4. However, she does gain some new stuff, and John, what is her attack?
1: So, we've got high 5, a range 3, strength 5 physical attack for 0 power, and after this attack is resolved, the character gains power equal to damage dealt, so not a flat builder like on the normal side, we're looking for as much damage as possible to get that power ramping in.
0: Okay, that's interesting, because it's five dice range three, but it's power equal to damage dealt, and like we mentioned, she has the in- inhuman superpower, so she does get this re-roll on attack dice, so it's going to feel a little more like a six-die attack, and then you have to think about you know crits and all that stuff. So I, I could see that being interesting.
1: Yeah, I think that's a much better attack than we see on a normal side. I mean, she's got no kind of like character control, so there's no push on a wild or there's no built-in throw or anything like that. But I think the dice are much better in terms of numbers. The re-roll really helps. And as we said before, there's something else a little bit lower down that may make it an even better looking attack when we get to it.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I, I will say, did you guys play the Avengers game by Crystal Dynamics that came out like last year or something, you know?
1: I played a small amount of it on the PS4 before I couldn't really take much
0: more of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, did did what about you, Aaron? Did you play it at all? I didn't play
2: it, but I watched quite a bit of gameplay videos for it and a little bit of walkthrough so, uh, for the various characters and scenes.
0: Every time that I do this attack with this character, I'm going to think about that when in the game, like that's her super attack, and and she's like ha, and it's like this giant like flat hand just smashing yeah. all these things, like. <laughs>
1: Tell me you're going to shout that as well while you play it. Oh, definitely. Like, ha! <laughs> yeah, I, I think you've got to, haven't you? It's part of the role. I mean, it's at definitely... this point, I
0: mean, look, if, if I'm not role-playing at least a little bit while I'm playing, there's something wrong.
2: Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> part of your duty as a player to be making the uh, sound effects that go along with these characters, isn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, John, you know, you said you played Guardians of the Galaxy. Whenever you did Deadly Duo, I'm surprised you didn't go, oh, yeah, as you throw the <laughs> card down, you know, like in the movie. <laughs> I
1: may have said crew tacking more times than I would like, and I did challenge my second opponent to a dance-off to which he just stared at me blankly. I wasn't really sure what was happening. (laughs) That's amazing.
0: That's amazing. You know, these are the reasons why I play this game right here. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, Aaron, what are the superpowers we have on Ms. Marvel's embiggened form?
2: So, um, quite interestingly, all four of the superpowers we get on this side are in eight superpowers. So we've already mentioned the inhuman reroll, which he has in this form as well, which is the character may reroll one die in attack or defense rolls. Um, moving on from that, as we've already quickly gone over that, we have more for genetics. So when making attacks, if the target character is smaller than this character, this character may reroll two of its attack dice. Additionally, at the end of this character's activation, it transforms into Miss Marvel normal, which is a smaller form.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. uh, Very interesting. Let's keep talking about it because that's... Let's just finish up the superpowers because that's interesting. So
2: we've got Polymorph next. So this character may interact with objective tokens within two instead of the normal one. And then a final superpower is Immunity Poison, which carries over from our other side, which, like we said, ties into her thematically and is quite a nice little mechanic to have.
0: Okay, cool. So... I I do like the immunity poison. That's nice. Let's, let's go bottom to top here on this one. So we got polymorph interacting with objectives from range two instead of range one, I think is one of those things that is going to be really nice with this character, but you're also going to probably forget about it sometimes too. But like, I think that that's really cool. And when you're using this character, I think what you're going to want to do, because transform, you basically place within one is, is how transforming works. So you can use that to your advantage to say, okay, well, you know, maybe there's a token on the ground somewhere that that somebody just dropped. And you can expect that your opponent's going to try to go for it. But you can place a little bit further away than the normal in this instance and still be able to interact with it. And I think that that's really really kind of cool, actually, and is potential to catch your opponent off guard in that maybe they think that they they are safe to get that token on a later turn and then it's like well, you've got miss marvel there and she can transform and remember she's on a big base on the 65 mil base we actually didn't mention that but she is on a 65 millimeter base when she's in embiggened so that's a big distance that she can cover to then subsequently interact
2: yeah, so for me, this is really interesting. It's going to open up a lot of plays, especially as you mentioned with the transform mechanic, as there's going to be situations when you can move onto the objective, just say medium move. Well, not onto it, within two of it. Uh, then pick it up, then medium move away, and then use the transform to go, say, um, at the end of the activation, to go back into your smaller form, which will then put you even further away after that. So I don't know exactly what that works out to, but I'm pretty sure it's it's, it's sort of almost a place
0: within three after the medium move, maybe. Yeah, uh, that's not within
2: three, sorry, within
0: two. Within two, yeah. It's it's a so lot I of distance see. that I don't think that you really understand until you see it, and I, I've I've seen it on the table once. Uh, just I was I put Ms. Marvel on the table just to kind of get a feel for this kind of thing because I wanted to talk about her, and. And it's, it's a really long distance that you get to do this kind of thing with.
2: Definitely, yeah. It's um really, really far. I mean, in in, in terms of a straight line, you're essentially going um, – what's the small base size? Is it 30 mil?
0: 35, yeah.
2: 35. So, you, so you're doing a medium move with the 35 mil base, then a medium move with the 35 mil base at the end of that. Then you do – say you transform into your big inversion. So you place them within one and then have a 65 mil base. Then at the end of the activation you can play through in one again onto a thirty five mil base. So that's huge. That's a long distance to be going.
0: Yeah. And I even look at it in a uh even more janky in a in a sense than that if you think about it. So I, I think about it in terms of if you're trying to play straight objective and you're trying to just grab and go objective wise, right? Like I, I think that Ms. Marvel's an interesting character. Here and we'll talk about what her role is in a second, but let's just talk about how she plays with this objective thing. So I think that it would the way I would think about her is medium move on her thirty-five mil base. Hope you know, make sure I have the power big in biggin to go ahead and transform and get that extra bit of distance plus that big base. Right, interact with my objective, grab it, go medium away again with that big like medium away. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end of her activation, she automatically transforms. So you're that much. You're back at your deployment line and then some, potentially.
2: Yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, the big thing here is unlock Ant-Man and Wasp. When she transforms, there's nothing here that says that she drops objectives over. So it means these plays are definitely possible and definitely something that can be done.
0: Exactly. John, what do you think of this?
1: I like it. I think, I mean, I play it a lot with Toad and being able to interact from two instead of one is massive. There are times you can get up, get an objective, and disappear. And Toad only moves not, nowhere near how far she's going to move on that big base. Yes, he's got a hop and he can place himself, but it's not much further than her transform on a 65 mil. Um, my only issue with it is is it's going to be amazing when it comes off, but it's going to be a lot of power, I think, to get at the three for the Embiggen, then the one to interact. I think it's going to require a lot more setup than she, you she may can't do it
2: I think you you need to be, like we've said, advanced R&D in humans' leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, A-Force leadership, I think she's going to really like that. She's not going to be able to do these plays alone, but I think with all characters, they require a little aid from the rest of their team or their tactics cards.
0: Yeah, and I will say that this is not something that I think is a turn one style play either. I think think that this is, is more one of those like, okay, what is my victory condition? Okay, I need to score X amount of points well, I'm going to go ahead and make sure that, that Ms. Marvel here can get some of those points, whether that's an objective that's worth two or worth one or whatever, but now she's able to potentially get those objective points for me and then dip or or something else. I mean, the only reason why I illustrate this is more so that like this is just a play that I would expect that you're going to see in games. So yeah. suits out there, just be prepared to have... Ms. Marvel come out of nowhere, take your shit and run.
1: Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to happen a lot more once the power's on her. Um, I think it's going to be more impactful with single extracts. I think if you're playing something like Scroll or Core or something yeah. like that, I think if she rocks up, picks up a single extract from two, moves away, transforms, disappears a bit further, that's going to be heartbreaking for you to watch across the table. Um, but I think it has moments where it could be a super powerful play.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. Now let's talk about Morphogenetics as the superpower here. And when making attacks, if the target character is smaller than this character, this character may reroll two of its attack dice. And when we say if it's smaller, literally all but a handful of characters are gonna be smaller than Ms. Marvel. You've got Hulk, Modok, Black Dwarf, and Dormammu, I think are the only size four or bigger characters in the game yeah, right now she in
1: there as well no, she She-Hulk hulk size three, three. Oh,
2: she- yeah yeah she is yeah so yeah so i, I think it's literally four or five characters that this won't apply to right I mean, combined with the inhuman re roll this is really interesting as with your five dice, you're on average going to get at least two successes so having three re-rolls is essentially re-rolling it, it, it's not the same obviously it won't save you in a situation where you blank out but it can almost feel the same as re-rolling all, because you've already, you, you're have already almost guaranteed to get two successes most of the time. So re-rolling those other three will feel like re-rolling all of them, if, if that makes sense.
0: Exactly. And here's an interesting kind of affiliation thing I, I, I want to bring up. If you put her in the Web Warriors, and she is either contesting or holding an objective token, then yeah. the skulls get, get to be re-rolled.
2: I mean, we've seen this with Moon Knight, and it is absolutely huge. The amount of times you'll stagger someone re-rolling four dice when you can re-roll any and all of them, it's massive. And I think any character that has a lot of innate re-rolls, it's definitely worth taking a look at them within the Web Warriors. I mean, again, because of the inhuman re-roll, she's re-rolling two defense dice as well, which which is massive as well.
0: Yeah, so I, I think that this is a really interesting way to kind of bring ms marvel up a little bit and also i think this is interesting in terms of the power economy that we mentioned for her normal side because what you're gonna want to do if you're not like we talked about doing some crazy stealing objective play if you're not trying to do that well then you want to be in big end as much as possible and the way to do that is to generate power and she doesn't have a lot of great, just natural power options, but what she does have is these rerolls on her Morphogenetics plus Inhuman that allow High Five to functionally act like a seven-dice attack. Like, it's, it's not exact, like the math yeah. is, is yeah. not exact, you know, but, but it's basically functioning where you can expect to get as many successes as you would with a seven-dice attack.
2: Yeah, and yeah. what's interesting, sorry to cut you off, what's no, interesting yeah. is it's zero cost in itself. So everything you, you're getting from it, you're keeping, you're not investing in anything, and then having sort of diminishing returns if you don't meet the point you need to break even. Whatever power you're gaining from this, it's, it's, it's net positive. It's more power than you had to start with.
0: Absolutely. There's
2: nothing to
0: And another interesting point with this is with mo for Genetics, she turns back into Ms. Marvel normal, no matter what, you have no control over that. It is at the end of her activation, she's in normal form. So, there is unfortunately no way for you to like start in big transform back and then in big and again. You have to just go back to normal. However, I do really think that this is what allows you to kind of plan for that and plan on the distance that you're going to have. So, you can basically say i'm going to attack you from range three and then when i transform again i'm going to be further away and i'm going to be safe you know or i'm going to be closer and now contesting an objective you can kind of play with that with however you know it works out in the game situation but i think that it provides a lot of flexibility with what you want to do with her and um, i think that that brings into the discussion now of kind of what her role on the tabletop is and john i want to start with you where do you see her fitting in on the tabletop? Not not so much affiliations. That'll be the next thing. But like, what is her role on the tabletop?
1: I'm torn on Miss Marvel in terms of her actual tabletop role. Um, I feel like she wants to be grabbing an objective and kind of sitting somewhere with it. Um, but at the same time, that when she's embigged, that high five strike and the damage output that that could potentially do if you pick the correct target is solid, Um, I genuinely think you're probably going to look at your opponent's lineup as they deploy, stick her on a side where you think she could potentially get an extract and hold herself quite well with somebody, and she's going to kind of play fairly wide is my take on it. I don't think you're going to want to smack bang in the middle in a big scrum, I think she's going to fall with those defenses in there, and I think you're going to lose out on some of her kind of like additional abilities to interact from within two and stuff like that, I genuinely think you're going to stick her out on the side and play her quite wide.
0: Okay, yeah. What do you think, Aaron?
2: So, I'm a little bit torn in the sense that I don't really know where she fits in. She So, she's got lots of interesting things, but for me, I find it odd for starters that her throws in a smaller form and then she loses it in a larger form. I think, I think you lose a couple of things there. Yeah. I think she's great as an objective runner, but because she transforms back to a size 2 model at the end of every activation, you're not going to get the benefit of being size 4 and not being able to be pulled around. She's just as susceptible to being pulled around as most other characters, which is, which is a shame. I think she's great in terms of the distance that she can cover, um, but I'm not quite sure at the minute where she does fit in, to be honest, I think, if, if that's fair to say uh, She's, she's got a lot of different things. I mean, if you can get the power, she can definitely she's she's not gonna she's not say Baron Zemo, she's not Venom, she's not someone yeah. who's gonna stand in the middle of the board and sort of say, you know, you know what, let's have it out. She's someone that's gonna be off onto the side and picking a target, uh, one of those flanking characters, maybe like Mysterio or um uh, maybe even Bullseye if we see him see a bit more play. And she might be able to, you know, put up a fight against them and you know, give them a run for the money and control that bit of the board. But really, I think, other than heavily focusing on getting into the big mode or objective running, I'm not quite sure where she fits in.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i with you. I think that she is a character that is in a duality, in a sense, right? Like, And it makes sense. She's two different characters in one, in Ms. Marvel Normal with Ms. Marvel in big Inform. form. And I think you have to look at her... In those two forms in isolation, and then understand how they kind of enhance one another, I think would be the way I would see it. So, let's talk about her normal form. So, her normal form is this kind of harasser, you know, gonna plink away at you from range four to where she's relatively safe, potentially get a throw off, some displacement. And just generally gonna like stay on an objective and score you some points and and kind of just mess with you a little bit and and maybe displace a little bit, right? And I think that's fine. Like that we've seen that kind of a character before. But I think when she embiggens, she becomes this not so much harasser per se, but this kind of like spike damage dealer. So almost like a like a bruiser style character, but not exactly because she doesn't have the defenses. And, like you said, she transforms back into normal. But I think that she's like this kind of, I guess, elevated harasser. And to your point, Aaron, when she's in a big and form, she doesn't have any kind of displacement or anything. So it's all damage, which is valuable and useful. But there's plenty of times in MCP where you don't really want to put that damage out there because you're trying to either starve your opponent of power or trying to hold on to first activation, you know, you don't want to lose priority. So if you switch to your damage dealing side, well now all of a sudden you have the potential to lose your priority for the next round if you daze someone that hasn't activated yet. So I think that she's kind of this like weird duality and you kind of have to to be able to switch gears within your turn to get the most out of her and I think that you, you have to kind of plan on that, and it kind of raises her skill floor just ever so slightly, I think. And, you know, she's vulnerable in the sense of, like we said, only five health. And her defenses are fine, but the only defensive tech she has is one reroll if if you don't put her in Web Warriors. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's, you know really interesting kind of way that she's gonna have to be played on the tabletop but I do think she has some really nice objective runner potential and you just have to kind of use that dynamically and you have to be ready to change your direction with her at a moment's notice you know what I mean
1: yeah I think that's it I think she is in that weird spot, as we said. I do like the objective runner potential, particularly when she's in big and she's size four. You can run her across most of the terrain. And then if you get it set up right or it's possible, you can get her so that when she transforms, she drops behind something size three that's bigger than her and she can kind of hide a little bit. Yeah. I think she's got that potential. But I think if you hide her in the corner, she potentially wastes the next few activations, not really doing a great deal with that size four, four dice punch. I I'm struggling to work out where really I see her. My, my problem with her, I say problem. My
2: what what makes me question her use is that what she brings requires an investment to work. We we know that we know you need the Inhumans. We know you might even need advanced R and D. Um, so you're you're investing a lot into this. Is she and it? then what you get in is sort of a cross between two characters when most of the time you're probably better off taking, say, a character to fill one of those res- um, specifically. I mean, we've mentioned Toad. Toad does a very similar job to what Miss Marvel does in terms of objective running. Um, he doesn't have necessarily the same placement that she has with Transform. However, he does have crawler, so much like her, he doesn't need to worry about the bigger train. Um, and-, and you sort of need to weigh up whether you want access to that sort of dual role, whether you want to invest into gaining the dual role that Miss Marvel provides you with over whether you'd be better off taking, say, Toad as an objective runner or Baron Zemo as a character to sort of brawl it out or, or fight off an enemy. And I think that's that's more my main struggle with our uh, sort of free threat is a very contended position within the game. I think I think free threat's the most common threat value, is it?
0: I think is it, it, it is, yeah. And, and you're yeah. right. I mean, it, it is... It's high contention for a spot on your roster when there's characters that just can do so much.
2: I mean, especially lately, we've seen say Black Cat is showing up everywhere for free threat in terms of an objective runner. I don't think there is one better than Black Cat just because she's got the long move, she's got stealth, yeah.
1: she's
2: she's got the ability to take from your opponent. The only thing she's missing is Warcaller, which if she did have, she'd be absolutely insane. So I think it's hard to sort of contend with, you know, the, the sort of more popular characters in the minute that we have. And I think until people discover specifically the best way to get the most out of the Miss Marvel package, I think she she's gonna be in a little bit of a limbo between, you know, like we've said, the objective carrier and the, the, the sort of harassment piece.
0: Yeah, and and I I think after hearing you talk about that a little bit and everything, I think that more more so than anything, it's it's that harassing nature it is really yeah. where she's going to stand out. And I think that that has value within MCP. I, I don't want to say that that's not a valuable place in the game. It's just we're so used to seeing characters at this point that just that just toolbox characters, right, that just do all this different stuff. And I think yeah. that we've seen lately is is AMG is is really trying to focus characters into a specific kind of role, and I think that Ms. Marvel is a very good example of that of a character that is it is designed to not necessarily fill one specific role like objective runner, bruiser, brawler, you know, you know, damage dealer, that kind of stuff, but is able to kind of play a couple of roles but the main role is this that, that harassing mobile role and I just I think that's really an interesting place for her and I think that as people get games in with her we're going to see her and and what she's going to do more on the tabletop kind of come to life in in a sense yes, and definitely. and I really like I, I don't know if I really like her but I like the idea that she she's going to be interesting to figure out you know what I mean
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's got a lot of fluidity to to, uh, you know the the play style that she brings. Just quickly, because we didn't mention it as we hadn't gone on to the Embiggen side, um, we were saying that the Embiggen superpower is a bit pricey. I think when you look at the fact that she automatically transforms back at the end of the turn, it makes it feel that little bit more expensive as well. Because you're paying free power for what might only be one or two actions. So it's interesting that's the decision they've made to make it free power. Um, there might be some plays that we realize, oh, wow, this is why it's free power. But it does feel very exclusive and that you're paying a premium for what could, as we said, not even be any action. You could be paying to begin just a place, so, and at that point you're paying free power to, say, a place within have been just shot of free. Do you know what I mean?
0: I absolutely know what you mean. And let me let me see how you feel about this. Basically, you're paying for her spender attack. beginning is the spender attack on this character if you think about it like that and i think that it's a spender attack that can gain you power and in most instances with characters you are only going to do one spender a a turn anyways generally so the fact that i'm with you in that it feels pricey with the potential move and then attack and all that stuff but i think that's why it's range three is because you can transform into the appropriate range that you need to be at if you've you know, played smartly, I guess you could say, and then potentially get two of those high fives off. But even if you're only getting one, I think the idea, and this is, you know, I don't want put, to put words into AMG's mouth per se, but I think the idea is that the math works out to where you should have enough power at the end of that activation to do it again right at the start of the next one.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think if they put that on another character, so, you know, three costs for your spender, you've got five dice, you're going to gain damage to, you know, power to damage dealt, you get to re-roll two dice plus one because you're in Inhuman, so you're technically re-rolling three. Nobody would be sitting here going, well, I'm not sure that's worth it. I think people would be saying it's worth it, <laughs> wouldn't
2: they? I mean,
1: it, it's got a low floor and a high ceiling
2: that an yep. attack has. I think that's what will make it interesting because with five dice, obviously you're not as likely to get the crit in. But then with the re-rolls, you know, you could really spike. And I think that's what will make it specifically fill the harassment role because you can't really plan around what five dice with three re-rolls is going to do. I mean, when you come up against, say, Venom's seven-dice attack, you know it's a seven-dice attack. You know roughly what type of damage you'll be taking off the back of that. But right. like I've just said, five dice with three re-rolls is a bit more skew. You don't really know what it's going to do to you. Do you know what I mean?
0: yeah and well it's, it's interesting because I feel like that a lot of people would say that that's consistent like you can say it's going to consistently do 3 to 4 damage you know yeah. th- 3 to 5 damage really I guess you could say with the rerolls and everything so you know because you got to factor in crits and all that stuff so I, I think that you're going to see her doing consistent amounts of hits but the problem that I see with this is that when your opponent spikes spikes on their defense dice, you know, yeah, that, and it's gonna feel bad.
2: I mean, uh, the the biggest thing really is skulls, isn't it? Because it's, it's all yep. well and good saying that it's equivalent of size seven dice, but if you get a couple of skulls then you you've lost those extra dollars because you're not gonna be using those rerolls.
0: Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to say when I said that, it's like it's gonna be somewhat equivalent to that, but not exactly because of yeah, yeah, the the, the skull potential yeah. and, and all that stuff. Yeah, so
2: that that brings, yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, all in all She's a really interesting character. and real quick, let's talk about affiliations because I do want to talk about our crisis stuff, and I cannot believe we, took, we have spent an hour talking about Ms. Marvel. I thought this was only going to take a very short time, but I guess it's just such a dynamic character, so here you go..:
2: yeah,
0: So uh, John, give me two affiliations that you think Ms. Marvel should definitely slot into other than the obvious one that is in humans.
1: I I mean, that is clearly the obvious one. I've made the assumption she's going in there because she's got the inhuman innate superpower, so I would have thought so. Um, I would expect to see her in A-Force. I think the fact that she's got a tactics card that's already been spoiled that sits alongside Captain Marvel. I think the fact that she's a huge Captain Marvel fanboy, everything about her is related to Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. A-Force makes perfect sense. Fangirl. I would also (laughs) expect to see her potentially in Avengers. I, I think we've seen some other characters drop into Avengers. I think if you put her in there and her and Biggins costing two, a throws costing two, it seems to make perfect sense, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think they confirmed that she's in Avengers on stream when they revealed her. But I I, I can't fully remember, but I'm pretty sure they confirmed that. So I'm going to operate under the assumption that she is in Avengers. It just that makes sounds sense. Good to me. She was in the video game for crying out loud.
1: She was, and that's why one of the reasons it makes absolute perfect sense. So,
0: Okay, so A-Force is the one I'm going to give you as a, like, you know, we think she's going to be affiliated, but she definitely slots into – I think she slots in there very well. What else? Like, is there one more that you think that she she fits into well?
1: One more that she gets a lot of play out of? I mean, I think if you're looking to really kind of maximize some transformations – She's an odd fit, but I think if you're looking for additional power from those four dice, you could drop her into Cabal. I think she's going to pick up some extra power. I think she's then going to be able to embiggen a little bit more. She's then going to pick up some additional power to keep kind of like the embiggen train rolling, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So for me, I think that she is a very interesting Web Warriors character because, again, the displacement potential is nice, and the the embiggened into a potential damaging situation kind of you can kind of put her out there and say okay you're going to go after my three threat character instead of my my venom or or my gwen who is who has so much utility or my miles or something like that you can you can kind of put ms marvel out there and then if you get that objective on her or if she's contesting an objective being able to re-roll those skulls like we mentioned i think is just going to be utter amazingness for her so i think that's really good and then yeah,
1: I think she a solid home in there
0: uh, yeah and then i think that Wakanda's an interesting one for her as well i don't know if that's really going to be great because they really would rather have like a valkyrie in that three slot three slot but i think that she could be interesting there again with the the movement the displacement the the ability to kind of change positions, I guess you could say, could be very interesting for her, especially on Gamma with the amount of movement she could get out of out of something like that. I could see that being really interesting. And you mentioned, John, that she has a tactics card. So she has the one for Captain Marvel. I'm going to go ahead and talk about the one with Miles, which is why I think another reason why Web Warriors is an interesting take for her, and that is yeah. called A Better Tomorrow. If Miles Morales is within range two of an allied Ms. Marvel both characters may spend two power to play this card ms marvel normal transforms into embiggened when resolving this transformation place ms marvel embiggened form within three instead of range one then place miles morales within range one of ms marvel embiggened this is a really interesting tactics card and it takes your embiggen down a power so you only have to pay two power at this point and then you get to go range three. Miles comes with you. And it's the most important part of this, I think, that that might go overlooked. You don't have to declare which one is activating to do this. That's huge.
1: It, I I think the movement shenanigans from this are going to be absolutely massive. I mean, Miles is going a long way as well when you look at it. Exactly. Not to mention just in Big and Miss Marvel. I think this is a a solid card if you've got a plan for hopping around the board to grab an objective or just hopping around the board to keep two of them safe with objectives or to set up maybe, I don't know, a kind of like Web Warriors all in, all webbed up kind of play. You can get everybody over to one side and really maximize it. I think this is going to be massive.
0: Yeah, I think that if I'm playing her in Web Warriors, this card's coming with me, period, because it's that I think it's that versatile of a card and it's, it's that you can get in there for the damage you can get in there or get out of there if you need to stay safe you know so there's there's a lot of interesting plays for this and it's this card right here in addition to the ability to reroll skulls and stuff that i think really gives her a lot of play within that web warriors
1: yeah without a doubt
0: so uh aaron what about you what do you think for affiliation wise
2: Um, So I'm going to go a little bit further afield and say, firstly, I think she might enjoy being in Brotherhood. Um, Specifically, Magneto Brotherhood. She's free threat, which is on on the lower side for a character, which you you always need to be considering when you're building around a six-point leader like Magneto. Mm -hmm. Um, She has the throw on her basic side, even though it's free power. Um, And, you know, she's going to like that extra power gain that the Brotherhood can provide. And I think Brotherhood maybe a little bit better in terms of power gain than A force because you have control of it you need to invest but then you get it back and that that's yeah. what's great and i mean you know having vision say activate first um followed by magneto and then turn one being able to move and in big on miss marvel could be huge um starting to say a high five if somebody's moved up far, far enough for you to you know catch them out with the distance you get off of your place Mm-hmm uh, Another one that's a little bit further afield, a little bit weird, is the new Spider-Foes. So that might sound a little bit bonkers. Definitely. But nope. when you've got a five-dice a five dice attack and you can reroll three of your dice, oh. and you can reroll one of their dice, that's pretty big, I think. I think that's going to really add to the amount of power and damage that she'll be able to get and do.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely like that. And I'm, I'm going to throw another little Dark Horse candidate in here, and that's Criminal Syndicate. And the reason why is because everybody thinks about how CS you get to count as two models on a secure. That's wonderful. It's super powerful. But Ms. Marvel here could potentially go get an objective, like an extract objective, and then do some crazy turn shenanigans transforming, and then pass that objective off to somebody else and still count as two wherever she's standing. That's really interesting to me.
2: I think what's huge as well was, as we've just mentioned, it, um, is it a better tomorrow, the tactics card? Yeah. So it, it doesn't have any restrictions say that Miss Marvel hasn't yet activated. So if you do it after she's activated, she's going to transform into her and form and she's going to stay that way until your next turn. So not only is she already starting and but you, you've also now got a size four character on her objective that's going to be really hard to push your move around. So she's sort of stuck there for your opponent to have to deal with.
0: So I will say I don't think it's going to function like that. I don't think she's going to stay in big end because if you activate her, then at the end of her activation, she automatically turns back to normal yeah, form, no matter what.
2: Go with, um, if Miss Marvel activates already, and then later on in the turn you activate Miles, I see what you're saying. Cop, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then then you'll be able to have a sort of stay in that size four until
0: your next turn. Right. And yeah. Start that way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought you meant if you activate Ms. Marvel and and oh, do it with not her. Not I, not. I see what you're saying now. Got it. Yes. You then in that case, correct.
1: That feels amazing, but it also feels like he's gonna get an FAQ. It
0: does, but I don't know if it will. <laughs> I, I don't but that's the th- yeah, I, I don't think that, that is actually that broken per se. Like, no, so. no, I don't think it's
1: broken. I just feel that may be something that may have been I, I could be horribly wrong. I feel like that's something that's going to come up really quickly on the rules for them and it's going to have been potentially overlooked.
2: Yeah, I don't think it'll get changed. I think it'll stay that way and it'll confuse not confuse, it'll catch people out when they've sort of planned to say, you know, an opposing pull or push or a throw to get rid of Miss Marvel mm-hmm. and then suddenly you, you stood in front of you know, the size four Kamala Khan sort of going, yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere this turn. I'm here to stay, right. you know what I mean?
0: Right. I think that's definitely it. So uh, let's go ahead and talk real quick about her other taxes card that John mentioned, Fan Club. It's a wall of text, so just bear with me. Uh, unaffiliated reactive. When an allied Captain Marvel uses the Danvers Special superpower, the binary form superpower, or the rocket punch attack After the effect or attack is resolved, an allied Ms. Marvel may spend 3 power to play this card. If Captain Marvel used the Danver Special, Ms. Marvel may throw an interactive terrain feature or enemy character of size 3 or less and within range 2. It is thrown short. If she used binary form, Ms. Marvel may transform into Embiggened. After transforming, push all enemy characters within range 2 of Ms. Marvel away short. In the order of your choosing, if Captain Marvel used Rocket Punch attack, Ms. Marvel may advance medium toward the target character. All those things are cool. I don't see myself using this very often, but it could be fun.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think it's got some cool effects on it. I think the fact that it's going to cost her three, like all of her other superpowers, is big. I think if she's already activated, potentially, like we spoke about with the last card, she might have some power. But I don't think it's a must-include similar to the one with Miles. I don't think it's going to be one of the cards that you fill your slots with automatically.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, we've taken a lot of time to talk about Ms. Marvel here. So, I don't know if we're going to have as much time to talk about this crisis selection stuff as I would like. Um, So, gentlemen, how about this? Why don't we start this potential series? Let's see what the suits say, if they want to hear this or not start up this potential series on the next visit for you guys.
2: Yeah, definitely. I'm Um, happy. Yeah, that worked for me because I just wanted to quickly say, I know John's just said he wouldn't be taking fan club every time and you said it it wouldn't. I'm going to go the opposite way and (laughs) say, if you're playing Miss Marvel in Wakandans and have space for both Carol Danvers and Miss Marvel, if you're playing Gamma Waves and you use the binary form and then, Transform Miss Marvel and push away all the characters within two. That bubble of characters within two is absolutely huge. You'll be able to set that so you can push someone off of their home and the center point. I actually think it's really good. I think that I sort of missed that the first time. I think it's really interesting. You're going to be able to use that to really displace the enemy too. I,
0: I do agree. I think that that's really interesting in that scenario. And you mentioned Wakandans. I think just in general, if you're playing. Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel in the same list like, and let's not think, yep. forget about the fact that we are getting some new tactics cards rules right? Yep. You're going to be able to take 10 and if you're playing A-Force and you can still only take two restricted cards, well then, yeah, okay I could see that because yeah, you know, it, it makes it, you might want to include it there and if you're playing on the right kind of crisis, like you said Gamma or or maybe Research Station Stuff like that, like, yeah, like, I want to, I don't want to, I said I would probably never take it. I would never take it just in a vacuum, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's a great card. I'm not saying it's an all-intake card. But there's going to be those situations like Research Station or Gamma Waves where you either push all of the people off the Research Station or you push their entire team out into the abyss and they all take one damage during cleanup and then have to move back in.
0: Exactly. So,
2: it it has its play.
0: It has its play and it'll be fun, which I always uh, rule of cool um, about that life. So, yeah, well, so Suits, if you're uh, interested in hearing kind of a, we'll call it a slightly more competitive take on roster building, but also casual friendly, you know, that's how we do it here at HPP, you know, we cover all the bases as much as we can, hopefully. And, um, so, if you want to hear that, make sure to send us messages, let us know if you think that's something that would be really interesting, kind of doing like a roster building series over the course of, you know, the the last couple months of of 2021 here as we get new models and new crises coming out and stuff. So, that could be a, a lot of fun, I think. And, and yeah, I mean, we're going to be having all these new models, and I think that with the new rules about roster building and stuff like that, we're going to take it from that perspective. And, and see kind of what everyone thinks about that. So if you're interested in hearing about that, let us know. And send us messages, pod at gmail.com. Send us messages on Facebook and and that kind of stuff. Uh, so messages on our Discord, all that fun stuff. You can check out our Patreon if you're interested in that. It's uh, patreon.com housepartyprotocol it's much appreciated, and just know that uh, no matter you're a patron or not, I'm never gonna hide any content behind any paywall. It's just a way to uh, show your support for for me, for the show, and um, just to kind of come and hang out and chit chat. It's a pretty chill time over there on our Discord. We just kind of talk, have a good time, and and joke around. And you know, every once in a while, I'll say, "Hey, I'm reading East of West. You guys should check it out." And then you know, someone will go buy the comic, and and hopefully they love it. So there you go. It's just all kinds of kinds of fun good times and uh yeah aaron where can people find you
2: so people can find me over on the web warrior protocols website uh so that is webwarriorprotocols.com no fancy symbols no uppercase letters all one word um you can also find me on facebook under web warrior protocols um i'm on twitter and instagram as the 14th legion and just quickly i wanted to do a quick mention to the fact that i have Managed to secure interviews with both Will Schick and Dallas Kemp from AMG. So I'm currently taking submissions of questions that people might like to be asked and to uh, see if they can get some answers to them. So if you're interested in that at all, feel free to shoot them over. Um, not to carry on anymore, but just quickly as well, I want to say thanks to Boarding Brum, which is where me and John are at the minute, recording this podcast with you. And it is our local store and also my sponsor on my website.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's a uh, excellent shout out to them for allowing you to do this. And um, also, we need to come up with a s- secret code word for our giveaway for today. And uh, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't think of this sooner, but I think it's got to be High Five. It's got to be High Five. High
2: Five sounds good, yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, you can send us messages. Uh, send us messages Facebook, email, Discord, whichever one you want to do. If, if you want to message me on Discord, I'm at uh, HPP underscore Will and all the kind of main Discords. And uh, you can send us the the code word high five. If you send an emoji high five, that also will work. And if you get a high five back from me, that means I counted your entry. So there we go. I think that that works pretty great. Uh, gentlemen, thanks so much for being on with me today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I really look forward to, to doing it again. I think this is a really, really good dynamic group we have here.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be good to be on here once a month with John, hopefully if John can make it. Um, It's great to have you have us on
1: here as well.
0: Well, uh, John, thank you for uh, being able to make it today as well.
1: Always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure.
0: And uh, with that, party on, Aaron.
1: Indeed, party on.
0: (laughs) And party on, John. Party on, Will. And power down suits.